Good evening. The messages through this whole series are really community-oriented. They're, they're, they're going to be just the foundations of our Christian faith. But these things are good reminders for all of us. If you look at the studies, they would show that a lot of the people who grace the doors of a church week after week, year after year, don't understand or don't know the things that we will be talking about. So it's probably good that we're going through them anyways. And, and this, this first week, we're just going to be talking about God and man, who God is and who we are before him. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you. For you are worthy of all the praise we can extend to you. We pray to you, for you are the living God who listens and hears. Though we lift up to you praise with song, blessed by the many, many gifts you've given us, the gifts of sound and hearing and, and music and the tones and the way they blend together and, and inspire and touch our hearts. Lord, you are good. So we praise your holy name tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God is. It's really that simple. God is. When I speak of God, I'm not talking about God as, as we prefer to understand him. Or who I would like to think of him as being. I'm talking about the living God. As King David called him when he confronted Goliath, which is not a story, but history. And when David called upon the living God, the living God delivered him. The God of the Bible, as he has revealed himself to us. The God who is both good and able. The God who is both loving and righteous altogether. The God before whom there are no other gods. Because all the other gods are made of wood or stone or metal. They are the, the makings of the stuff of the earth or the imaginings of mankind to try and fit God into some kind of box that we are just a little more comfortable with. That is not God. As we try to shape him and mold him into something in an attempt to shut out the eternal and infinite God that he actually is. As Isaiah prophesied with disdain in Isaiah 40, to whom then will you liken God or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a, a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers 
who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. This is the God. The God who called Moses into his service. And when he did, Moses asked him, Whom shall I say sent me? To which God replied, I am. Because God is. It's a name of infinite, eternal impact. I have always been and I always will be. I am. There's none greater. There's none who stands above. His name is descriptive of a God who stands outside of time itself, to whom a a thousand years are like a day. From eternity past, now, and forevermore, God is. Augustine, an early church father, ponders the overwhelming greatness of God in, in a book he called his Confessions around 400 A.D. And he said, What then are you, O my God? What I ask but the Lord God. For who is Lord but the Lord Or who is God, save our God, most high, most excellent, most potent, most omnipotent, most piteous and most just, most hidden and most near, most beauteous and most strong, stable yet contained of none, unchangeable yet changing all things, never new, never old, making all things new yet bringing old age upon the proud and they know it not always working, yet ever at rest, gathering, yet needing nothing, sustaining, pervading, protecting, creating, nourishing, and developing, seeking, and yet possessing all things. You love and don't burn with lust, are jealous, yet free from care. You repent, yet have no sorrow, are angry, yet serene. You change your ways, leaving your plans unchanged. You recover what you find, having yet never lost." are never in want while you rejoice and gain. Who has anything that is not yours? You pay debts while owing nothing. And when you forgive debts, you lose nothing. Augustine finishes that particular part of his writing with the idea that that no matter how much he says about the greatness of God, he can never exhaust the infinite, eternal wonder and power and glory of who God is. We could speak for days. Don't worry, I'll finish after a little while here. But we could speak for days and still have said nothing about how great God is. As Augustine says, those who say the most are as the mute. We will not exhaust the greatness and holiness of God tonight. And yet we are called, according to his word, to, in, in the Bible, to praise him. Psalm 47, verses 6 to 7, read like this. Sing praises to our God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. It is good for us to consider regularly just who God is. 
For as this psalm says, Psalm 47, he is the king of the earth. What, what is it that, that makes him king, king? Why is he sovereign? Go ahead and open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Just keep yourself at Genesis once you get there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, you all know it, I'm sure. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything that has been made, every bit of finite matter has been made by God. And it is His. This is why He is the King. This is why He is sovereign over everything. It all belongs to Him. He made it. And He exists independent of what He has made. He has always been infinite, eternal. And God created the heavens and the earth. We could spend a long time in philosophical arguments to prove that God is and and that he is the creator. Let's just briefly talk about a little bit here. The cosmological argument. I've discussed it in the evening service a few times. And, And that briefly, it's just the idea that the finite... All the stuff around us, we ourselves, cannot self-create from nothing. And all creation, being finite by nature, there must be an infinite cause of everything that is finite. There must have been something that existed, someone that existed, in order to put all the finite stuff into place. Simple example is bunnies. Where do bunnies come from? Other bunnies, right? But where did that bunny come from? Well, a bunny, and where did that bunny come from? Where did the first bunny come from? That primordial matter, right? Well, where did that primordial goo come from then? God. There's got to be an infinite cause of all that is finite. God is. Whether we like it or not, God is. And he's revealed himself to us that we would know him. Think about that for a minute. The infinite has revealed himself to what he's created. Scripture tells us that while God has allowed us a free will to believe as we desire, he has not left us without evidence that he is. Do you remember that from Acts chapter 14, verses 16 and 17? It says, in past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Paul says to us, look at creation. It simply functions too well to not be the work of intelligent design. Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, it says, For what can be known about God is plain to mankind, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. 
The finite points to the infinite. Creation shows the fingerprints of God. Have you ever sat out on the beach down at the shore and and watched those waves roll in and then they roll back out? How is it that these waves have limits set upon them? That the immense amount of water that is on this earth does not just overwhelm the land. Some people would say, the moon! The moon controls the tides, right? The moon, really? The moon does this. The moon controls the tides. How do you know this? Well, they would say, observation, scientific empirical evidence. We know that when the moon is over here, the tide is high, and when the moon is over there, the tide is low. Well, then who put the moon there? Whose fingerprints are on that moon? Who told the moon what to do and where to go? Who put the laws of physics into place so that we could observe them? To say that the moon controls the tides of its own volition, of its own accord, is like saying we we see a house outside built of stone. The rocks must have done it. doesn't make sense. As God says to Job in Job 38, he says, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I, God, will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with its doors when it burst out of the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far you shall come. And no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. Creation is far too complicated, far too integrated. Each condition so dependent upon the next one to be in place in order for everything to function. There must be a creator. God has told us that he created In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When there was nothing, God created. Ex nihilo, out of nothing. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The first chapter of Genesis goes on to tell us that God created light, water, dry land, vegetation, stars, the moon, creatures in the ocean, animals on the land, and birds of the air, and man. He is the creator, and we are the creation. He is infinite, eternal God. And we are his finite creation. As Isaiah says in 64, verse 8, But now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay. You are our potter, we are the work of your hand. 
Psalm 100, verse 3, reminds us too, uh, to, to know the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture, because He's the one who laid the foundations of the earth. He's the one who created us. So who defines who in all reality? Does man define God? Do we get that option? Or does God define man? So often we find ourselves trying to define God for him, to let him know who he is. I think God is like this, or, or I feel that God is, is whatever we want to think or feel he is. Whatever the Bible means to me, this is what it means to me. What does my opinion matter in this? My opinion doesn't matter at all. Do I begin to think that what I think will help God to understand and know his place in the world? No. God has told us who he is. And who he is is the creator of everything. And therefore, he is the king, the sovereign over everything, even man. We are are his creation. And God created us, and when he did so, do you know what he said? Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. He created us, and God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. There was morning, there was evening, the sixth day. After he created man and everything, he laid the foundation of the earth, he said, it is good. But people will cry out and they will say, if God is so good, and if everything he created is so good, why is there all this evil then in the world? If this is the God you say he is, why the killing and the hatred? Why these massive natural disasters? How can God be good and, and all of his creation be good? When we see all this stuff, well, the first three chapters of Genesis explains all of this to us if we are willing to listen. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, tells us that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it you shall surely die. God gave man a free will in that. He said, You have a choice. If we're going to love and obey God, God didn't want it to be robotic and forced because that is not love. So he gave man this choice. Here's the one thing, one thing I don't want you to do. And if you do, you will be punished. Death will come upon mankind. As Paul says in the book of Romans, the wages of sin is death. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden. 
But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made for themselves loincloths. Man, thinking that he could be like God, that he could become his own authority, that we could then put God in his place, chose to eat and transgress God. That one thing that God asked him not to do. So what was the result? God is honest. God is true. God does not lie, and he does what he says. God is pure. He is sinless, perfect in all of his ways. He has disdain. He, he has wrath toward our sin and the evil that we harbor in our hearts. Genesis chapter 3, verses 13 to 19. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you've done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. When God said the the wages of sin would be death. He always does what he says. And each one, the woman, the serpent, and the man receive the punishment due for their rebellion against God because of our sin, because we, the created, choose ourselves over God, the creator, every day, every single one of us, the whole world, and mankind have become drenched in sin. Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Why is there evil in the world? We're here. Romans 3, 23. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We do this to ourselves in our self-centered sinfulness. We bring it upon each other as we cast aside the infinite and perfect wisdom of God, replacing it with our own limited perspective, our, our imperfect ignorance. And the world is cursed because of it. 
in his holiness, righteousness, perfect sinlessness, God could not and would not ignore the sin in us. And part of that is that we reap what we sow. God allows us to live in our chosen sinful condition in the world as we have brought it down, filled with sickness, disaster, and death. And yet, even though it's our fault, we still see mankind shaking our fist at God. We see the finite threatening and mocking the infinite. The created despising the creator. Even though it makes no sense at all. Still trying to devise our own God, our own way, our own authority. When all the while, we did this. We do this to ourselves. God is the creator. Man, along with the world and everything in it, is his creation. We've sinned before God when he gave us a free will to love him with as we attempted to be our own authority. And by our own doing, we live in a world cursed by sin. Now, now, if, if we are in sin and we walk around in this imperfect ignorance of ours, is there no way out? What are we to do? Is there any way for sinful man to be at peace with our pure and perfect creator God to be reconciled to him? Do, do we have to die and be separated from God forever? Because that's our situation, isn't it? God won't live with sin. In his love for us, God has a plan. In his love for us, God devised a plan from before the foundations of the earth. And in the next eight weeks, we will search out that plan as we go through the scriptures. So bring friends, bring family. Let's, let's hopefully take this out to the community so that they can hear about God's plan of salvation. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you that you've given us this time together to, to just remember who you are and to remember who we are before you. Lord God, we praise you as our sovereign, as our king. Help us to remember that as we go through our daily lives, that you are our sovereign and our king, the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything in them, and we are the sheep of your pasture, not our own, and we can't put you in a box according to how we feel that day. You are God, and you are. We praise your name through your Son, Jesus Christ, and by your Holy Spirit. Amen.